Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, CNN's political director, and welcome to the CNN Political Briefing. Trust is a valuable commodity in politics these days, and it seems to be at an all-time low. But it's not just claims of election stealing or voter fraud. It's being able to trust our own eyes and ears. This morning, an emboldened China invades Taiwan. Financial markets are in free fall as 500 regional banks have shuttered their doors. That's a clip of an AI-generated ad run by the Republican National Committee after President Joe Biden announced his re-election campaign. It used AI to create dystopian images of a possible second Biden term. Deepfakes, like this one, are becoming much more common, and not just in politics. But they're already threatening this year's election and have the potential to cause lots more harm. Nicole Gill is the founder and executive director of Accountable Tech, a nonprofit dedicated to holding tech companies responsible for their impact. She's joining me today to talk about separating fact from fake. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I guess the first question I should ask you for the uninitiated is if you can define AI and how is it different from bots or cyber hackers or just try to orient our audience listening who may not be familiar with AI. Sure. That's a great first question. There's a lot of terms being thrown around these days with technology. AI, especially the AI that we're talking about here related to elections and and um, kind of automated systems, it obviously stands for artificial intelligence. But the difference is that over the past few years and since the release of ChatGPT by OpenAI just over a year ago, is that the AI systems they've released are based on something called large language models. And those are essentially catalogs or giant libraries of information. And uh, they just take in as much information as possible is kind of the easiest way to explain it and then use that to inform the answer they provide. And what's a little bit different is often these systems, they can be um, generative. And so that is to say that they use the answers they provide and the feedback they get to kind of better inform themselves. It's a little bit like you and I having a discussion or a debate and you correct me about something. And then in my next conversation, I use more accurate information. Um, And that's kind of what the AI models are capable of doing. And it's that generative AI that we are speaking of in this space of elections and campaigns and democracy that you focus a lot of your attention on. But four years ago, before this was as prevalent as it as it is now, you founded Accountable Tech to combat misinformation and disinformation. And I'm wondering, what were the biggest threats that you wanted to combat four years ago, and how are they different, given the advent of AI and the accessibility to it, from what you see that needs to be combated against now? So my organization, Accountable Tech, we fight to rein in the power that 
big tech companies and social media companies have over our society, including democracy and elections are a big part of that. The challenge hasn't really changed, actually. The dis and misinformation are everywhere. The problem is that it has gotten easier and cheaper to create those disinformation campaigns. So if you think about Russia's effort to subvert the election in 2016 on Facebook, they had to have actual humans creating all of that content, buying ads, creating fake Facebook groups, kind of infiltrating the system. There are ways that you could use generative AI tools now to kind of do it all for you. And so what we're really seeing is kind of a turbocharge of existing problems. So just on that example of the 2016 election, so you're saying like Bob Mueller, the special prosecutor in the Russia investigation, in his report talked about these sort of troll farms in Russia. You're saying like that's not needed anymore, right? Well, the troll farm is, you know, it's all in technology now. I guess it could be still categorized as a troll farm, but what we consider that to be is a little different. And there have been a couple of examples in this election cycle thus far. We saw uh, the RNC nearly a year ago put out this quote-unquote AI-generated digital ad uh, against Joe Biden. I mean, it seemed to me more that they were putting this out to get headlines that they were utilizing AI than there was anything unnecessarily new or different in what they got generated in that digital video that they put out. But perhaps more recently, uh, I think as a more telling example, which is this robocall that emerged in New Hampshire, where somebody utilized AI to recreate Joe Biden's voice. It was not the president's voice and urged people not to go vote in the primary. This is actually now under litigation that the attorney general of New Hampshire uh, is pursuing. But that to me seems like a real potential danger of an AI-generated piece of content that could impact voter behavior. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for someone um, like our major political candidates, there are probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of hours of audio, let alone video footage of Joe Biden. He has a very particular cadence and way of speaking. And so a tool that kind of can take in his speech pattern and then alter them to say something that he didn't say, you know, he's kind of almost primed to be manipulated in that way or his voice is. But these are really just the tip of the iceberg. It's February. We have a long way to go to November. And some of the things that I fear more actually are efforts that release false information or misleading information about voting. So if there are natural disasters or if there are violence at the polls, you know, you could use AI to really create a scenario of your choosing that might dissuade people from voting. And that's the kind of thing we're going to see a lot more of um, as we get into the, the general election. And you know, once the cat's out of the bag, it, it's very hard to rein it back in. I asked Taylor Swift, you know. I mean, to that point, isn't the cat already out of the bag? And my question to you is, is the American voter actually helpless here? What, what is, how do you combat this? I mean, the best way to combat it in your day-to-day life is to be critical, be a critical thinker. There are often tells in um, deep fake audio or video somebody might have an extra finger in their hand or 
you know, skin tone might be off um, from one part of their body or the other. But, you know, ultimately, I think rather than focusing on what the consumer or the voter can do and should do, we should be talking more about the companies who have decided to release this technology and are letting us voters and our democracy be the recipients of the unintended consequences. And we're just, you know, all part of their great experiment, unfortunately. There are certainly tests and red teaming, things that these companies could be doing more of to ensure the safety and security of their products. Now, you've talked about inaccurately portraying violence at a polling center and then people not show up there. As you do so much research in this space, what do you think is sort of the most likely interaction a voter is going to have and experience this election season with generative AI in a way where somebody is trying to manipulate the outcome? You know, in all honesty, I don't I don't know that I'm even creative enough to come up with some of the things that I think we might see. But there's one a flip side of the coin here is that because AI is being discussed, being talked about, being used in manipulation efforts around elections, it also offers candidates the opportunity to blame something that they may have actually done or said on AI. You know, Donald Trump is not somebody who typically adheres to the truth quite, you know, tightly. And so, you know, for him, I think if we were to see something like the Access Hollywood tape come out today, I absolutely think Trump would say, that wasn't me. That's manipulated media. That was AI. And his his followers would believe you know, I don't know the impact it would have on the election, but that is just another unintended consequence that we're going to have to deal with. And, and there's going to be a lot of parsing of what is true and real and what is. We'll be right back with more from Nicole Gill, executive director of Accountable Tech. Shopify's taking the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing for your retail store? Upgrade your point of sale system with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Get award-winning support and see why millions of businesses worldwide trust Shopify. Do retail right. Grab your $1 trial at shopify.com CNN. Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com CNN for a $1 per month trial. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Welcome back. We're here with Nicole Gill. Nicole, I feel like in any conversation I participate in about this topic, it ends up as our conversation already has, thinking in pretty dark corners and spaces. And I'm just wondering, is there a positive to generative AI inside American democracy? Are there positive and good applications, either by campaigns or candidates or elections officials or what have you, that can actually 
benefit the voter and benefit the democratic process? It's a good question. And I use technology in my day-to-day life all the time, too, right? I'm not anti-tech in any way. I think there probably are going to be ways in which AI technology can help spread and, and increase the participation of citizens in our democracy. The problem is right now that there's absolutely no guidelines, regulations, rules, even agreement about watermarking content. And so unless we have a shared understanding and a a shared agreement on what constitutes AI uh, content, how we permit it to be used within especially elections and democracy, I, I think there's just too many risks over using it for good purposes um, because there's just no set of safety standards, unfortunately, at this point. I will tell you, however, I use an app that has helped me create my grocery list, you know, pulling from my weekly menu planning. And that is amazing. Like, <laughs> that's fantastic. But, you know, a little lower well, I'm, safe. I'm not sure I can draw the nexus to <laughs> elections and democracy, but I'm glad that your food shopping is happening more easily. <laughs> So now let's talk about some of the proposed rules or guidelines, as you call them, regulation uh, of this emerging technology. What does that look like? Is it at the federal level? Is it at the state level? How should this be regulated? Are there examples from around the world that can already instruct us about how other countries are tackling this? Yeah. So in the United States right now, we're seeing legislation move at both the state and a federal level. Right now, five states in the country regulate the use of artificial intelligence in campaigning. Those states, you know, their laws differ from state to state. Some of them are just about banning deep fakes. Some of them relate to political advertising, not organic content. And then on top of that, we've seen more than 25 states just uh, since the beginning of the year introduce and debate similar legislation. So this is an extremely, you know, kind of hot topic. And it's it's often bipartisan, which is nice to see that legislators from all parties are interested in taking action on this. Unfortunately, you know, that creates a patchwork of laws that'll be inconsistent across borders. And then on the federal level, there has been some legislation introduced, the Real Political Ads Act, by Senators Amy Klobuchar and Representative Yvette Clark that would restrict AI-powered political ads and the Protect Elections from Deceptive AI Act by Senators Cory Booker and Chris Coons and Josh Hawley. And that would require ads to have disclaimers if their content is AI-generated. Those are good first steps. You know, they've been introduced. They're not going to likely make their way through the legislative process in time to have an effect on on this election. And so while there may be states that have legislation in place that regulates the use of AI in their state elections, there won't be most likely any sort of federal standard or federal bill. Is there any kind of consensus emerging either among organizations like yours or among legislators? The two examples you cited, the first one was two Democrats, a House and a Senate Democrat. The second one was bipartisan with Hawley as a Republican and a couple of Democratic senators in in Booker and Coons. 
Is it clear for these policymakers and people on the advocacy side where everyone needs to get to and just the path of getting there is unclear or no, the ultimate goal is unclear as well? I think that the the technology is both so new and so rapidly changing and developing and transforming that the Senate and, and our elected officials have done a much better job of learning and adapting and becoming familiar with this technology than they have in the past on on some other big tech issues. But at the same point, the development, the deployment of the technology is happening so fast that, you know, advocates have a hard time keeping up. And this is my full time job. If I'm a, a legislator who represents a large group of people and has many issues, I think you're in an even tougher place to come up with the solution. And and frankly, you know, that's why it shouldn't just be on lawmakers to come up with what they believe the regulations should be. There are existing laws on the books and, you know, regulations around civil rights and biases and harassment and, and things like that that can be enforced when it comes to AI. I also think, you know, generally speaking, these are for-profit companies that are all making money off of their products. And if you're making money off of a product that has the potential to disrupt democracy and our election, then there should be some limits on what you are allowed to release and what kind of safety measures and, and testing has to be done before it's released. And you had mentioned that voters, consumers, end users here can be on the lookout for an extra finger or something and be vigilant that way. Are there other tips you can give listeners about how not to be fooled? You know, the old adage on the New York City subway, see something, say something. If something looks off to you or sound off to you, use your best judgment. I, I think trust your gut and look for a second source. There are tools that you can use to use a, a do a reverse image search. Um, if you, you know, do a search for those, you can find those pretty easily. And then when it comes to elections, you know, you need to go to the source. You really need to go to the candidates' websites to double check what an ad is saying against their own positions. You know, check several news sources. Kind of, you know, all the things that we should do as, as good media consumers become extra important with AI in the mix. You know, as I sit here and talk with you, Nicole, I just am trying to fast forward in my mind. If we were to reconvene to have another conversation nine months from now, in the aftermath of the presidential election. And we would look back and we say, well, that was the first AI election. And I just can't imagine what we're going to point to that is going to define why it was the first AI election. That's a really interesting question. My guess is that it's going to be a lot of little things, ads or videos or, you know, audio clips that are released that kind of add up and change the way that uh, people report about elections and how, how you report about it. There's more responsibility on the part of reporters to really do the, the work and look into this. And I think many reporters are doing that. They understand that responsibility as well as for, for users or listeners or viewers to do that work. Yeah, while it disrupts everything, it is also going to change the way in which we do our basic function of fact-checking throughout uh, this campaign season. Nicole Gill of Accountable Tech, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's edition of the CNN Political Briefing. 
And we want to hear from you. Is there a question you'd like answered about this election cycle? Is there a guest you really want to hear from? Give us a call at 301-842-8338 or send us an email at cnnpoliticalbriefing at gmail.com. And you might just be featured on a future episode of the podcast. So don't forget to tell us your name, where you're from, how we can reach you, and if you give us permission to use the recording on the podcast. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Madeline Thompson. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Dan DeZula is our technical director, and Steve Lichtai is executive producer of CNN Audio. Support from Alex Manasseri, Robert Mathers, John Dianora, Lainey Steinhardt, Jameis Andrist, Nicole Pesseru, and Lisa Namoro. And special thanks to Katie Hinman. We'll be back with a new episode on Friday, February 9th. Thanks so much for listening.